Our statement of faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Well, let me say I apologize for having to take a couple weeks off to do some things and not, was not able to continue, but I felt obligated not to stop before I finished the Sermon on the Mount. Amen? So yes, I'm going to be here. I got one more week to go. For those of you who are looking for a new title and a new song, wait for two more weeks. You can get one. Amen? But right now, we're going to still deal with astonished at his teaching. Is that all right? Because I still think there's some things that we need to know about what Jesus taught that could be beneficial to our lives. Amen? So the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 27 and 28 says, And so it was when Jesus ended these saying that the people were astonished. Somebody say astonished. Astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as described. Somebody say authority. Now see, the word astonished, you may be seated. The word astonished. mean to be struck with amazement, to be thrown into wonderment, shocked, confounded, perplexed, or the cause to marvel. And I've been saying that this text comes at the closing, which we'll see next week, of Jesus' powerful Sermon on the Mount. And we've been trying to impress into your heart that this was his inaugural sermon. Somebody say inaugural. Y'all know inaugural, like the speech, I said that before, the speech that the president made before he take office, his inaugural address in that speech is a lot of things that you think he's going to accomplish over his next four years. Well, this is Jesus' inaugural sermon, so he was outlining to his followers what the kingdom of God was supposed to be like and what he expected from his followers when they served him in God's kingdom. So this is a very important sermon because there are a lot of things that Jesus taught and did that is built off of this particular sermon. Now, in this sermon, Jesus sometimes uses poetic, metaphoric, and we're going to see that today, and hyperbolic language to create a strong impression or to invoke strong feelings to make his point. And he's going to make his point by using some terms today that will probably cause some people to cringe, you know, if he call you a dog or a pig. Mm-hmm. Now, last week, <laughs> or the last time I was before you, you know, we were taught about what Jesus taught us about money and possessions, material possessions. And we learned that uh, God has no problem with you having stuff. Amen. He just don't want the stuff to have you. Don't want you to hoard your stuff. If he's blessed you, he blessed you to be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. And so he realized, <clears throat> excuse me, that you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and your money at the same time. Amen? Because he says that you're going to either love one and hate the other, or you would despise one and, and, uh, and, and love the other. And so what we got to see here is that Jesus is saying that you got to get your priorities right. There's nothing wrong with you working hard, having money, hitting the market, whatever you do to earn your income. He ain't got no problem with that. But don't let that be your sole focus. Don't wake up in the morning thinking about your money and not your God. 
Amen? Because you're going to one day come upon the situation that your money ain't going to do nothing for you. You're going to need a God to help you through some of the things that you're going to go through. Amen? And we close that sermon with Jesus talking to us about worry. He said, look, when it comes to the things that you need, if you know the Lord, you should not worry. What you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, the things of that nature. He said, hey, don't worry about those things. Don't get so caught up in worrying about those things that you lose sight of me. If I look out for the birds in the air and the flowers in the field, surely I can take care of you. You know, this is a bold statement I want to make. I believe, and I'm just saying this, I don't have no you know, empirical evidence or no proof that I can go out and find, but I believe if every homeless person in America was in the body of Christ, in a church, on purpose, in a church, I don't believe a good Bible-believing church would let a member sit there and live in the woods. And, and I believe we can end homelessness in America if folk would just come to the church and the church would do what they're supposed to do. But now I understand some folk by choice want to live in the woods. I ain't got no problem with that. But those that want to get out of the woods, I hope you're hearing this today, or you know somebody that's living in the woods and want to get out, you need to tell them, find Jesus. Go to a good church. They ought to be able to get you a place that you can live. They ought to be able to feed you and put clothes on your Those are basic needs. And if God has met those basic needs for us, then he believed that we can meet those basic needs for Now today in chapter 7, we begin with Jesus talking about judging others. Somebody say judging others. Now let me say this. You know, this is the passage of scripture that is often quoted but misquoted at the same time and misunderstood. Because I mean, no, many of you probably have had someone to say to you when you was trying to correct their behavior and their conduct or their character, they say, don't judge me. And some of you all don't probably say that yourself. Somebody come at you in the wrong way, don't judge me. The Bible says, judge not that you be not. They don't know nothing else in the Bible. That, that whole sermon, but they remember that one little line of scripture, right, that judge not. As if Jesus was saying in a blanket statement, never correct a brother or a sister when they get out of line. See, he wasn't saying never to correct them. He was just saying, get your stuff together first. If you get your stuff together first, then you got a right to go and correct, admonish, or you got a right to be corrected yourself. So he's saying now, don't be hypocritical like the Pharisees. They judge by one standard, but they live by another. So he's saying if you're going to correct people and they wonder what you want to call it, judging or whatever, long as you're not doing it in a condemning way because you don't have a heaven or hell to put somebody in, so you can't condemn them, but you can correct. Jesus corrected. Paul told the church to correct those who are among you. You can correct folk, but when you correct them, you better step to them right and correct yourself first. Oftentimes, we want to correct other folk and we guilty of the same thing we corrected them of. And therefore, people are not going to listen to you because now your credibility is not there. You can't call somebody out of darkness while you're still in darkness. <laughs> Let me just read this so y'all can get this point because Jesus made it very clear. He said this, do not judge others and you will not be judged. He's saying, if you don't judge others, nobody will judge you. And God, he's talking about primarily. He said, now look, for you will be treated 
as you treat others. So God is saying, however you treat others, when you judge them or when you correct them, that's how he's going to treat you. Kind of like if you forgive, then I will forgive you. So God said, if you're going to step out there and, and judge someone or correct somebody, you better realize that the same judgment that you use, God is going to use that same standard on you. So he says, so you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Whatever you use against other people, that's what God's going to use against you. And then he says this. Now he starts using little metaphors here. Why worry about a speck? You know, a little speck. Little, like, I, I would say lint. You ever seen lint on your clothes? You got on dark clothes, lint. Anybody ever got a little splinter in their finger? You know, sometimes when you get a, you know, you out messing with, you know, blackberries, Finley, I don't know, you, you know, you, you probably don't know nothing about picking blackberries, but every now and then you pick blackberries, and you can get a little of them little splinters in your hand. I don't know what they call them, little, them little thorns. And them things so little, you can't even see them, but you can feel them. And it hurts. And Jesus saying, Finley, how in the world you going to see that little tiny splinter, that little tiny thorn in Bolden's eye, and you got a two by four in your eye. Now he's not saying for you not to take note of the splinter or the thorn in my finger. He's just saying, get the two by four out of your eye first, then you can see. You ain't gonna see that little thorn in my hand while you got that two by. Metaphorically speaking. So that's what he's saying. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of your alcohol, let me help you get rid of your drugs, and you cheating on your wife? How can you help him when you got issues? So he's saying, look, look, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Then Jesus used a term that the world uses against us all the time when they want to put us in check. I don't go to that church because y'all ain't never hip hypocrites. Hypocrites. You know it's funny that the world don't even know nothing about the Bible, but they know that one word. Hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. They know when we play actor. They know when we say one thing on Sunday and we do another thing on Monday. So the world is judging us by calling us hypocrites because they see us live one way in church on Sunday and then we act like a different person on the job on. Jesus said, hey, if you're going to correct somebody, you can't be a hypocrite and correct them at the same time. Same time. How do I know he meant that? Well, he says hypocrite with emphasis. Then he says first. Somebody say first. Now then he tells us what we got to do. So to George, he says first, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then, 
first, then. Somebody say first, then. When you take care of first, then you can do what follows next. But until you take care of first, you don't have a right to mess with my splinter until you deal with your law. But once you deal with your law, then now you can step to me in a godly way and correct my behavior. But deal with your law first. And the problem is the reason we can't step to people because we don't want to deal with our laws. If we get the hypocrisy out of our lives, get the laws out of our lives, then you won't feel guilty when you step to somebody to correct them in a godly and loving way because you know you don't have a law in your eye. And so when they say, don't judge me, you say, I ain't judging you. I ain't telling you you're going to hell for what you're doing. I'm just telling you what you're doing is wrong. And I know the young people in the world, they got a song that, that you know, what's the name made it? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Dude, don't judge me. Just look at the way I dance. Don't judge me. I ain't going to judge your dance. If you want to come to church and dance, I ain't going to judge your dance. And your dance ain't going <laughs> to, I ain't judging your dance. Dance. However you want to dance for the Lord. I'm just going to look at your lifestyle like you look at my lifestyle. I'm going to see what you do after you finish your dance in church because a holy dance in church can turn to something else after. Ah, God, let me, let me, let me leave that alone. So he says, hypocrite, get rid of the log in your own eyes. Then you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Then now he shifts gears and he starts talking about the word and how we got to be careful when we are trying to share this word with people. And he's saying that you got to be wise enough and understanding enough to know when you're trying to share God's word with somebody that definitely don't want to hear, when they're going to treat it like it's unholy, when they're going to treat it in a kind of way. He's not saying for us not to reach out to people and try to get them saved. He says sooner or later you got to realize that that person just ain't going to get it right now. They don't want to hear it right now. You don't need to frustrate your grace on somebody who's going to bite you, eat you. You, you don't need to waste that. If you don't, you don't pray, well, you don't did this, you don't did that. And then all of a sudden you realize you're dealing with a pig. He said that. I, I, I got to read that because you know how you're that. But you know, he used the word pig in the text, but you know he ain't talking about a oink oink. He's talking about people that got a mindset like a look at this. He said, now, pigs don't know the value of things. You can throw something valuable in a pig pen, and he'll chew at it, but sooner or later he's going to spit it out because he don't know those are pearls. He's looking for slop. You throw some slop in there, he'll have a feel day on it. But if you throw something precious and valuable in there, he'll spit it out and then turn on you. You got to know when you're dealing with some dogs and pigs. Because some of your Bibles also use dogs in that passage. I'm going to read it in a minute. And see, the Jews did not like dogs and pigs. Whenever they compared you to a dog, a wild dog, they, were talk, they ain't talking about, you know, Zontel, they ain't talking about Bailey. They ain't talking about little Bailey, the ones you carry around and you manicure and take care of. They were talking about dogs that ran in packs like wolves and ate up folk. 
So you know when the Bible compares you to a dog, Let me read this. It's in red. Jesus said it. Verse 6, he says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't take this gospel and keep trying to feed it to folks who are going to scorn it, who are going to ridicule it, who are going to treat it with contempt, who are going to despise what you're trying to get. Yes, you want to get them saved. Yes, you go back to them over and over again. But at some point in time, you got to realize you're dealing with a pig. I can see that look on y'all face, man. That's hard. That's, that's harsh. That's, that's just, well, let me see. Don't throw your pearls to, what y'all Bible say? Somebody say pigs. Somebody say pigs again. He said, pig. You can get a mental picture when you call someone pig. But you got to keep in mind, metaphorically, he's talking about people that act like, you know, we don't make the word dog, you know, a lovable term. In the Bible, you know, you just wouldn't walk around calling it, that's my dog, that's my dog. I'm a dog, you know. And right now, you know, that's a term of endearment. You know, you hear two brothers walking down the street, he say, that's my dog. That's my dog. You know, and what come to your mind with somebody, that's mine. Do they do what dogs? What kind of dog is he? Is he a pit bull? German Shepherd? Chihuahua? What kind of dog is he? We just got similar interests. Well, what do you dogs like to? Ah. <laughs> we used to say dog. Now they say bro. Bro. I'm a bro. Okay. What is your bro? What's your bro like? Bro. Because I hear my grandson use that term, bro. We used to say brother. They just say bro, brother, male, bro. Well, bro, dogs, if they don't know Jesus, and you do, you are in their life to take the dog out of them. You ain't in there to catch fleas with them. You're in their life for a reason. You're trying to get something holy into them and then they will receive it because it is valuable. But if your bro treat the word of God like garbage, then you may need to take a look at who you calling your... Oh, God, I ain't want him to come here and tell me how to... I'm just saying, Jesus said, don't throw valuable things to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Now, I hope you ain't running with no dogs that attack you because that turn dog endearment mean they got your back. I think that means that y'all going to stick together like closer than brothers and brothers and brothers. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, if you're going to be in the pack with the dog, be the lead dog. Be the dog that set the standards for the pack. Be the one that outlined, this is how we're going to roll. 
Because we got a standard that we're going to live up to. I ain't got no problem, Brother Melvin, if we want to go back and that's my dog. Brother Melvin, you know, we dog. We go back well over 20-something years, 30-something years. That's my dog. But I know what type of dog he is. I know he's a dog that loves his wife and loves his children. I know he's a dog that got standards that are going to line up with this word. So when I call him dog and you say we run like that, then you got to believe that maybe I got some of his characteristics. This was Jesus' first sermon. And just like the look on some of y'all faces, I'm pretty sure that's how some of them folks look. <laughs> when he started talking about dogs, and I'll let me tell you, I probably said dogs. Pigs. He used that language to paint a picture. When I painted the picture by using his language of a pig, all of you got an image in your mind what a pig looked like. And what he was trying to do is put an image in their mind of how important this gospel is so that when you go out there to share it and spread it, you need to be wise enough to know when you're throwing something valuable to somebody they're going to curse you out and don't want to hear it right now. Some people just ain't got no sense at that time. And you can't talk no sense in the folk that ain't got no sense right then. You got to come back at another time. Because if not, you're going to get frustrated and think that everybody that the Lord sent to you is a pig. There are some people out there that's waiting to hear the gospel, and you need to go to them. But at the same time, don't get intimidated by the yeah, don't let the pig scare you. You got what they need. Amen. Let me move on. Let me move on. I know, I know, I know that wasn't going to go over well. I had, I, I had a hard time getting past that myself. I had to go, Jesus, why you call them pigs? Then Jesus started to teach about effective prayer. This is a little bit more easier to take right here. He started teaching them about how we can be effective in our prayer life. Now, he had already taught them earlier about how to pray and what to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Y'all remember that? We just got through saying that. See, he had taught them that earlier. So this part of this was not talking about how to pray and what to include in your prayer. This is saying, look, when you pray, whatever your concerns are, you need to be persistent and consistent in your prayer life. You can't go to God every now and then and say he's your heavenly Father. You got to have a relationship with him that involves prayer, and that prayer life got to be strong. You just can't pray to him when you need that promotion, or when you need this, or when you need that, or you done got a bad doctor's report, and all of a sudden now you're a prayer warrior. You got to be a prayer warrior before you get the doctor's report. Amen. So therefore, you got to have an active prayer life. I don't care how you do it, when you do it, you got to do more than just talk to God when you need something from him. Jesus said, you got to be so persistent and consistent in your prayer life that you believe you can ask, seek, and knock. And whatever you ask, seek, and knock for, you believe he's going to give it to you if it is within his will. Now, you got to always include God's will in your prayer because even Jesus had to deal with God's. You know, he didn't want to die. He said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so that's what he's telling us. Say, look, he don't have no problem with you asking, seeking, and knocking. But if you're asking and seeking and knocking for the things that he have outlined in this sermon, your daily needs to be met, 
You know, if you ask and seeking and knocking for not to worry, if you ask seeking and knocking for the things that he had been talking about, he's saying, look, when your father hear you ask, seek and knock for the things I'm telling you and teaching you about, then guess what? He's going to hear you and answer. He says in verse 7, he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, find. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Ask implies a simple petition. You ask God for what you want in confidence and humility. Seek indicates an earnest search for God. You got you to gotta seek God. You got to wake up in the morning looking to God. You got to acknowledge him. You know, if you seek him, you will find him. He's not hiding from you. You can get in touch with your heavenly father anytime you want to. He's not busy. He's not sleeping. He's waiting on you to make the call. So what I'm trying to tell you, we got to get in the habit of daily talking to our heavenly father, just like we talk to our dogs, just like we talk to our bros. If you talk to bro every day, then you ought to talk to God. So a way to learn how to do that is say, every time I think about sending my bro a text, let me say something to my God. I'm not telling you not to talk to your bro. I'm just telling you to talk to your bro and to God. Can you imagine how many texts some of you sent out a day? Just, you know, just take a little homework. When you leave here, just say, Pastor just told us to go just scroll through your phone. See how many times you text a day. And I would say, God would be pleased if you just talk to him 10% of the time that you text. So if you send out 100 texts a day, just say something to God 10 times. I ain't getting too many amens right there. I ain't getting too many amens right there. I'm trying to teach somebody a principle here that will help save their lives and give them confidence in the God. And I can just sense resistance in my spirit when I'm asking you to do something as simple as every time you pick up your phone and, God, I thank you for allowing my thumbs to be able to move again. Because there's somebody sitting out there, their hands are frozen like this. They can't even move, but God, you have blessed me. I thank you for being able to see these small letters. God, I can see these small letters, but the, but the Bible letters about the same size and you go to sleep on them. So we're trying to say that will help us to be consistent in our prayer life. Because if we're going to ask, seek, and knock and do things consistently, then we got to earnestly pursue God in spite of the hindrance, in spite of the opposition. Because all dogs don't like to pray. Your dog may not know he need to pray. So you got to pray for your dog till he get the realization that he need to pray. Now look at this. Verse 9 says, you, parents, you the natural analogy, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you not give them, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Jesus said, of course not. He's going to come back and say, now get this. 
you were born in sin. Some of you had children while you were still in sin. I mean, you weren't saved. I, yeah, not that, that your children were born in sin. You could have been married, but you were still in sin. Because you weren't, you know, you're still in sin. Because we all are sin, born in sin. And he said, now look at this. You, when you was in sin, knew how to take care of that baby. When that baby cried, you knew what to do. When that baby bottom got a little stinky, you knew what to And he said, now, if you can be sinful and do that, Robin, surely a holy God know how to take care of you. If you were sinful and knew how to take care of baby, surely a God who created everything and created you know how to take care of Man, that'll take word right out of your life when I say, hey, God know how to take care of me. When I cry out, when I ask, when I seek it, I knock, he know how to. If my mom and daddy knew how to take care of me when I was a baby, God know how to. He know what I need and when I need it, and he know how to give it to me. All I need to do is be in fellowship with him by praying, asking, seeking, and knocking, and listening to him and trusting that he know what I need even before I ask for it. Some of y'all were such good parents, you knew your baby's schedule. It's time for them to eat. They ain't even crying yet, but you're already in the kitchen preparing because you already know what they But Kim Wanda and Kent, as wise parents, there's some things that your children ask for you don't give them to them right now. Don't mean you don't love them. You just know that they don't. They just want it. They saw it on TV last night, and all of a sudden they. And you got to be wise and say, yeah, you want it, but you ain't ready for no four-wheeler yet. You, you ain't ready for it. I know you want it. I know it. I want you to have it. But right now, one day, you're going to get you a four-wheeler because I want you to have one because you want one. But right now, ain't the time. And see, sometimes we get mad at God when he say, right now is not the time. We think he don't know what he's doing when he says, right now. If you got sense enough to know right now is not the time, don't you think God knows? Oh, God. I'm, I'm done with the prayer part. I'm just finished reading this. Because Jesus was making a powerful point. He said, now look. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, because he's going to get that four-wheeler one day. Ain't no doubt in my mind. If he want one, Kim, Kim one. Yeah, Christian's going to get it. Ain't no doubt in my mind. Christian, one day when you have for about 14 or 13, something like that, mom and daddy, if they had to work overtime, they're going to get you that four-wheeler. Because they know you want it, and now they know you can handle it. So if they can do that for their children, then Jesus said, man, if sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Last text. Jesus concludes this with what we commonly refer to as the golden rule. Somebody say the golden rule. How many of y'all was brought up saying, when I was a little boy, the Coca-Cola company used to give us rulers every year at our school, and on the back of it, they had this scripture. 
doing to others that you would have them done to you. And they call it the golden rule. Well, I thought Coca-Cola was smart. Coca-Cola just read the Bible. Because Jesus said that. There's a lot of things these corporations use that I thought it was coming from them, and I found out it comes from the, from the Bible. So now if a corporation can see wisdom in God's word, why can't his children see wisdom in his word? So now, this passage has been quoted by philosophers and of, of different religions and, 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 and leaders and great religions, and they list them. I didn't want to call out no religion since I'm just talking about Jesus right now. But they normally teach it from a negative standpoint, meaning that they react based upon what the other person do to them. But Jesus teaches this from a positive and proactive way by telling you to do. You do to them first, Tanya, what you want them to do to you. Don't you wait and see how they're going to do you, and then in turn you do them. But he's saying you do them first what you want them to do to By being proactive and doing to them first, then we're letting God's love be visible because Jesus said, hey, the prophets hang on this thing that we call the golden you know, it's only a couple places in the Bible where he says certain things hang on what the prophets say and the prophets confirm or the prophets agree with what is said. He said that, you know, when somebody asks what's the highest commandments, he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, spirit, soul, mind, and body, and love thy neighbor as thyself. When you do those two things, all the prophets and the commands hang on them. And he come right here, Kim Wanda, and say, if you do to others first what you want them to do to you, the prophets and commands hang on that. Boy, can you imagine? Just think about that. And I'm almost done. That's the last passage. Y'all don't go to sleep on me right now. I'm, t- I'm teaching pretty good. Don't go to sleep on me. I don't I I gave I don't talked about dogs and bros enough to keep y'all entertained. I know y'all young folk got y'all attention span. They tell me it ain't but 30 some minutes, but I believe that's a lie. Somebody told y'all that. <laughs> some of y'all, some of y'all sitting from that basketball game the other night more than 30 minutes. So don't buy that lie, my attention span is short. It just depends on what you're looking at. So he says here, and I'm done, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. You do it first. Put yourself in another person's situation and say, if I was in that situation, what would I want somebody to do for me? And then whatever that answer is, then he says, you take the action and you do for that person. You know, Nike kind of found that out of the Bible, too. And they've been carrying that little phrase for years now, because that's a popular one right there. You know, all of you see the little swish, and under there it just say, just. Some of y'all put that Nike swish on you, and you just feel like I can just. Whatever it is you about to about, just. You're trying to press that 250, that 220, that 400. You got that little switch on your chest. It gives you energy. You just say, just. Stop crying about it. Don't even think about it. Just take a deep breath and just. 
In Jesus and the field. Stop pretending that you want to do right to other people. Don't stop thinking about it. Just, just do it. You ain't need to go and meditate on that. You don't need a long prayer meeting. Back. Just see something that needs doing and then just, just do it. Don't, don't, don't think about it too long because you'll think yourself out of it. He said, just. So he said, do to others what you would like them to do unto you. This is the essence of all that all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Wow. He's saying, we wouldn't want y'all to stop learning, but Jesus is saying, if you can live by that, you may not have to do all that stuff for to try to act like you're saved. Want to be saved. You may not have to go to all them catechism classes to figure out what's right, what's wrong. Just do to other folk what you want done to. If you ain't going to cut your finger off, don't you cut nobody else's finger off. You don't want nobody sleeping with your wife? Don't you sleep with their wife? You don't want nobody messing with your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever friend you got? Don't you mess with nobody? If you don't want nobody stealing from you, don't you steal from So Jesus said, look, if you could just think like that and think what you would want somebody to do to you, then it'll cut down. You don't want nobody talking about you. But guess what? The principle works just the opposite too. Whatever you do, it's going to come back to whatsoever you sow. That's what you're going to get in return. So when we talk about folks, somebody's going to talk about us. But when it comes to the golden rule, the golden rule. Now, the Bible don't say it's the golden rule. Man called it the golden rule, but I'm pretty sure they could have called it, you know, the copper rule. But they said the, which means it is in order. And so if we could live by that, can you imagine what America would be like right now if everybody would just live by that rule? Do to others what you want done to you. If I was a policeman, I wouldn't want nobody to put their knee on my neck for nine minutes, 28 seconds. So why would I put my knee on somebody's neck? If I was a business owner, I wouldn't want somebody breaking in my window, stealing my TV then why would I steal somebody? So out of all I said today, just remember verse 12. Put that in your heart. Put that in your mind. And then put it into action. If you don't remember nothing, forget all I said about the dogs. Don't go, don't, don't. Just, just live the golden rule in front of your dog. That's all you got to do. Just live that. Do to your dogs what you want your dogs. 
If you see one of your dogs broke and you got it, and you want him to help you if you was in that situation, then help your dog. Just that simple. So I ain't got nothing that's going to make y'all shout no more. I just want y'all to think and do what Jesus just said. Treat other folk like you want to be treated. That's the whole sum of that lesson right there. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Every head bow and every eye closed. If you're online, we just ask that you stay with us for a few minutes as we make several appeals. Our first appeal is for salvation. If you're here today in church or in person online and you don't know Jesus Christ as the pardon of your sin, I believe you was here for a reason today and this is an opportunity for you to give your life to the Lord. You may have heard about Jesus, you may have been taught from a child, but you never personally and acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior. And if that's your desire today, if that's what the, your heart is saying, then I want to extend you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord today. So if that's you, will you please raise your hand if you're in the house, if you're online. I ask that you just give us a call here at the church at 850-862-3899. If you're in the house, I just ask that you raise your hand. Raise your hand. Make it known that you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Then my second appeal is for church membership. If you're here or you're online and you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and saying that striving for perfection ministry is the place for you, we'll teach you ministry. You know, you come here, you're going to be taught the word. You may shout and dance a little bit every now and then, but you're going to know what you're shouting and dancing about. You're going to be taught God's word so that you can live God's word. And that's what we want. God wants us to. Jesus taught his disciples as well as preached to them. So if you want to be taught God's word, you want to be challenged, I encourage you, make striving your home. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. So if that is you and you're in the house, please raise your hand. If you're online, just give us a call at that same number. If you're in the house, just raise your hand. If you're online, give us a call. And my third appeal is for prayer. And if you've got a prayer concern, I want you to just stand at your seat. You don't have to make it known. But if you've got a special prayer concern, something's on your heart, I just want you to stand at your seat, and we'll make a general prayer and pray for you. Just stand. Whatever it is, you already know. God already knows what you have need of. We just got through talking about prayer. So you don't need me to pray for you. You just need to know how to persist on your own. You just need to know how to be consistent on your own. You just need to know how to ask, seek, and knock on your own. I'll pray out, but you be praying to God for yourself. Jesus just gave you a, a word to encourage you to be consistent in your prayer life when you cry out to God. Be consistent. So whatever it is, clear your minds right now and just cast your cares on him. Because he cares for you. Believe that when the righteous cry out, that the Lord hears them. Because the words say when the fervent prayers, the fervent prayers of the righteous avails much. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we come now before you. 
We know that you're a holy God, a wise God, all-knowing God, and you already know what we have need of, God, even before we ask. But God, you made a requirement for us to make our petitions known unto you. So God, we sit here and we stand here today making our petitions and our requests known unto you. God, we first acknowledge you for being an all-wise and an all-knowing God, a loving God and a merciful God. God, we acknowledge you as being a majestic God, a God who knows everything. And so then, God, now we come and confess anything, God, that could be in us, that could hinder us from getting our prayer through. God, we acknowledge it right now, God, and we declare that we're sorry for it. Then, God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks, God, for what you've already done for us. We give you thanks for bringing us this far. We give you thanks, God, for being with us yesterday and today, God. And we give you thanks in advance that you're going to be with us tomorrow. We give you thanks, God. And then now, God, we come and make our supplication. Now we come and make our request, God. Now we come and say, God, here's my specific need. God, I stand in the need today, God. I need for you to touch my body. I need for you to touch my mind. I need for you to touch my children, God. Whatever it is, I stand in the need of God. You already know. So, God, we make our petitions known unto you, God. Whatever they are, whatever our concerns are, whatever we want to lift up to you right now, God, we do that from our heart, God. And we believe that when we cry out to you, God, that you're going to hear our cries. And God, this is not going to be the end of this petition. When the pastor say, amen, God, this is not going to be the end. This is just the beginning because I'm going to continue to ask, to continue to seek and continue to knock, God, till I feel like you've heard my cry and answered my prayer. God, because I trust you at your word, you said you would not withhold good things from your children because you realize we did not hold good things from our children. God, so we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives. We ask that you continue to be with us, God. Continue to lead us. Continue to guide us. Continue to comfort us with your word and your spirit. Continue to strengthen us, God, as we live for you in this world that we live in. God, we're not shrinking back from the world that we live in. And we, we accept the challenge to represent you in this day, in this time, and in this generation. This is the appointed time for us to be here, to do what you've called us to do. And we say thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand cup of praise if you will.